You're now listening to episode 125 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hall and Thomas Costelli joined here with Peter Kim. Peter is an anesthesiologist, active real estate investor, and founder of Passive Income MD, where he shows physicians why they need to and how they can take control of their finances and their time. Peter educates on all subjects related to financial independence, including real estate investing, health, and lifestyle. In today's episode, we discuss how and why Peter got started in real estate, how his rental business has evolved from one crowdfund investment to direct investing that allows him to qualify as a real estate professional, how he helps physicians achieve financial freedom through Passive Income MD, and much more. Peter, thanks so much for taking time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners a little information on your background and your work? Sure. Uh, my name is Peter. I'm a, an anesthesiologist in Los Angeles, California. Actually, I focus mostly on OB anesthesia. So I do mostly epidurals, spinal, C-sections. If any of you have had kids, uh, you know what kind of role I play. And uh, I love what I do, but that's only part of what I do. I mean, the rest of what I do is I spend a lot of time educating other physicians on how to create other streams of income. And particularly, I talk a lot about passive income. And one of my favorite vehicles for creating that is real estate investments. And I do that, you know, I talk about both direct active ownership of rental properties, as well as more of the passive real estate stuff, investing in syndications and funds. Nice, nice. So, you know, we hear about the FIRE movement all the time. I think it's uh, financial independence. I actually don't know what it actually stands Retire for. Early. Early. <laughs> Retire early. Retire early. Yeah, Got come it. on, I knew it had to do something with that. But, you know, anyway, so we, we hear about that movement a lot and kind of just wanted to get your personal story on how you took control of your time and your finances and you made it to financial freedom. Uh, yeah, it's something where... I didn't expect to, to be on this path at all. I mean, I think that when I was younger, uh, I grew up in a family of some physicians and my goal was to, like ultimate goal in life was to be a doctor and live the good life, take care of people and live comfortably. And the funny thing is when you get there, sometimes like, I don't know if you've ever had that thing where you get to a place and you're like, it's not exactly what I thought it'd be, you know? And that's what happened to me when I really achieved that goal of being a physician. I started working and I was like, this is amazing. I'm done all my training. And, you know, you've given up all your twenties to get here. And um, a couple of years into it, something happened at work where, I don't know, I guess the easy way to say it is that some political things happen and I didn't get what I thought was promised in terms of my shift, you know, allocation and stuff like that. And so when I looked at it, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not in control of my career here. I'm not in control of my time. And that really means my income which really means like my life. I'm not in control. And I just like, I kind of spiraled down that whole thing. And I was like, this is not what I thought it'd be. I thought I was in control and be in the driver's seat when I was here. And I remember being really upset about it. And I was for a while until I said, you know what, I've got to figure something else out because the whole time I put all my eggs in this basket in medicine, in terms of being able to create the life that I want financially and for my family and these kind of things. And then realizing that I'm not in control there. I was like, okay, how can I take control of this? And so I started looking for other docs in the hospital who seemed to have it, have that control. 
And it was pretty easy to figure out who those people were because they were living really balanced, good lives. They were being physicians and they were obviously it can be hard, uh, excruciating work in terms of both mentally and physically, but they seem to have like good lives outside of medicine too. They didn't suffer from that burnout that a lot of physicians talk about today. Um, in fact, like over 50% of physicians talk about experiencing some element of burnout in their daily lives, in their career. And so, you know, I found those people that were like happy to be there, you know, they were still practicing, but they really enjoyed what they did. And they seemed to have good lives outside of medicine too. They traveled and were able to have other, you know, pursue other interests and things like that. And I started just talking to them and asking them like, what are you doing to create this type of life? And it just turned out that after talking to enough of these people, it turned out that they almost all of them exclusively were creating, figured out some way to create income streams outside of medicine, which allowed them to really create the life in medicine that they wanted, I guess, because the financial burden wasn't there or the financial stress. So it gave them a lot more choices and freedom. And so I just started really kind of digging in, like, what are you doing? Exactly what are you, you know? And it turned out that most of them were investing in real estate. And because of that, I said, all right, I don't know much about real estate investing. It's not like I come from a family of real estate investors. I never read a single real estate book uh, through medical school or this or that. I said, all right, well, if that works, then I'm going to try too. And then so I started just diving in, started going to real estate investor meetings. I ended up on sites like Bigger Pockets. Uh, I read a few books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And a few things like that. And it really kind of started me down that path of figuring out how to create passive income and that financial freedom. And it's not something that happened right away. It definitely took some time to figure that out and take action and make some mistakes and that sort of thing. But, you know, sitting here now, six to seven years later, I'm in a position where I don't have to work in medicine, but I choose to do it because I, <laughs> I choose to do it because I love it. And it's something that I want to do and I continue to do it. And my goal is not to leave medicine, but to really, again, work as much as I want, um, you know, enough that I get the fulfillment out of it, but also also create the life outside that I want. Really good stuff. And I think it's really interesting because I'm sure that there are people listening, thinking, okay, physicians make five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars over a million dollars, especially if they're investing in surgical centers and uh, how can that person even possibly think that they're not financially free. But through our work with, with physicians, we've started working with a lot of physicians in 2020 here. And it's fascinating because they are all in the same boat. They're all looking for the financial independence, but they're not necessarily, it's like a different type of financial independence. It's not necessarily the, I want to get out of my job. It's the control. Like you were talking about, I still love medicine. Everything that brought me to it, it still exists. I still want to be here. I just don't want to fret over the medical job covering me for everything. I, I want to create some freedom and flexibility. So it, it's been really fascinating, you know, just meeting all these physicians and then talking to you and some other folks that are, are in the industry as well and kind of learning that. I, I mean, one my, my sisters are in med school. And so I make them listen to all the physician podcasts that, that we do with physicians. And, you know, the, the one thing that's interesting is just that I think that physicians, especially in today's environment with COVID and everything, you're right, they, they are overworked. And you could theoretically even argue underpaid. You know, I mean, I don't want my physician to be worried about money. <laughs> and, and so the, if you just think about it like that, you can kind of think, oh, my physician might be underpaid, even if they're earning a ton of money, which is just a very weird dichotomy to really kind of think through. And, but anyway, um, really cool story, really cool story. So, so you shifted to taking a passive income or, or, or to trying to build out other income streams. What did you do next? 
Yeah, I, I think the, the very first step that I actually took when investing in real estate was I invested in a $5,000 crowdfunding deal. I always talk about that as my very first deal. Just like anything else, I mean, without any experience investing in real estate, I was scared. I mean, I was like, I don't want to make a mistake. I mean, I think that especially coming from what we do on a daily basis, we're always managing risk, reward, you know, trying to manage the downside because the consequences are really big, right? And this in the worlds that we're working with. And so we're very, very good at like risk avoidance and, and that sort of thing. And so it's sometimes really hard for, especially me, like to initially to try something new and risk putting my income and these kind of things. But that first investment that I saw, $5,000, I was like, okay, I can do that. You know, like worst case scenario, you know, nobody likes to lose, lose money. $5,000 is not something to just like sneeze at. But at the same time, it's not going to really change my lifestyle. Like it won't affect whether I put, be able to, you know, put food on, on the table and that sort of thing. But I figured out that the only way to learn is to actually do something. And so I figured that was a very good first step to kind of dip my toes in. So I started with a $5,000 crowdfunding deal. It was like a debt deal where I started getting paid. I think at that time, the way the market was, I think I was getting paid 12% um, interest, which is pretty nice. But that was kind of what the market was back then. Yeah, that's really good on a debt deal. Yeah, on a debt deal. And I got paid every single month on it. And after a year, got paid my principal, you know, my capital back. And I was like, this is awesome. And so my second investment was actually a syndication deal. It was an apartment building. And I got, you know, I bought, that means I bought a share in essentially apartment building as an equity owner. And that was a $25,000 investment. And that allowed me to really participate as, you know, quote unquote, a limited partner or an owner in a small, like limited capacity and get some income from there. But also I had that kind of feeling of like, hey, I own a part of this apartment building. <laughs> and that was really cool. And the cool thing, it was actually only like a, maybe about three miles from my house. And so I was able to drive by and I drive by. It's weird. Like, I mean, part of this big investor group, but there's some weird sense of pride and ownership. I drive by and I go, hey, I, you know, I own a percentage of that. And then I went in and bought my own rental property. And so it was, it was a progression for me. It wasn't like all at once. I just jumped in and bought a 120 unit apartment building or anything like that. It was a step-by-step, -step, you know, stepwise approach. And that allowed me to get in there, feel comfortable. Yes, I've made mistakes, but the mistakes haven't been huge. And so that's been uh, helpful for me to kind of build, you know, all the income streams that I've built. So you made the crowdfunding deal, you ran with that for a year and that turned out really nice. And then you jumped into the syndication deal. And then it sounds like you jumped into buying your own property. Like when did you realize or what made you realize like, yeah, real estate is the thing for me and I want to go either all in or more into this than I am now or really ramp it up. What made you kind of realize that? I mean, I think the biggest thing was how do I leverage my time the best to create these income streams? I mean, as a physician, like you mentioned, we make a good living. I mean, again, different specialties make a certain different amount. I'm lucky anesthesia is one of the higher paid specialties. And so I was very fortunate there. And so people are always looking at me, you're right. We're like, why even try for something else? But what I was telling people is like, you're just an hourly, highly paid hourly worker. You're still like a slave to time, like time in equals money out that whole equation. And I was trying to break that because Again, like if I didn't show up, if I got sick or if I didn't do these things, like no income would come in because I wasn't in the hospital. And I'd read the Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'd read books like The Cashflow Quadrant. And he talked about being able to, it's not like make money in your sleep necessarily, but kind of like really you got to separate your time from your money. And that's when you get true freedom. And so that was my goal. And I knew that as a physician, if I wanted to make more income, I could just, I knew how much I got paid per hour. 
So I could just do that and that'd be easy. But how can I find a way to get compensated for my time in a, like a more efficient way? And so I was looking into all these different real estate ways to do it. And I remember my very, that very first check that I got, I, I tell people it was like a $47 check or something like that, right? Deposit in my account. But I got so excited by it. I was like freaking out. And I was like, I made money like without doing anything. Like This is like, this is amazing. And this can scale, right? I can take the income that I make from my doctor job. I can put that somewhere else and that thing starts to create more money, like create an, like another money machine or a money tree or whatever you want to call it. That was a concept. And that like got in my head. And so I'm like, how... How can I take as much income from my doctor income, still live, still support my family, still live a good life, but shovel that into these investments as fast as possible so that it can continue to create money? Because I knew it would take time. It's like compound interest. None of this stuff was like overnight type stuff. And I felt like that was the most efficient way to create those income streams in a way that was like, you know, that eventually it would be like meaningful money. You know, in the beginning, it was like small amount of money. But then like you do enough of these and you do it again, again, and again, it just starts to compound. And, and it's nice to be at a point where, you know, I'm starting to do bigger, bigger deals. And so the income from each of these deals and whatever's coming out is really significant. It gets really cool too, when your portfolio can start paying for its own expansion, right? So you don't even have to take any more money out of your day job. I mean, not, to, not that you would necessarily stop, but the next rental property or the next deal is purchased with the cash flow generated from my portfolio. And so the portfolio just pays for its own expansion. So what does your portfolio look like today? So in terms of rental units, I have about 40 units under my own belt, but I'm invested in, I've invested in, I think in total about 27 passive deals. And so I'm pretty heavily invested on the passive side. People always ask me like, what is a, like, what is my split (laughs) between like active and passive investments? You know, it depends on what you call, I guess, like equity, net worth or whatever in each. But I tell people it's about half and half. I mean, that's kind of where I sit. I have a certain amount of time. This was part of it, too. Like, I think that active investments, owning on rental properties, it does take up time. There's no doubt about it. You know, but you want some of that because if you're going for the real estate professional status, which you've talked about quite a bit, you want those active investments that will eat up that time that you're going to put in to be able to qualify for that. And you know that putting in that time, it's going to result in, you know, these great returns. So I do that, but there's a certain amount of time that I want to spend in my own investments. And I do it enough personally to meet those criteria to get that. And the rest of my time, I don't want to spend any time or time on my investments. And so I have enough active portfolio to be able to do that. And the rest, pretty much I dump into passive stuff. How long did it take you to go from like, say your first rental property to work up and build a portfolio to sustain um, the active hours you needed to qualify to become a real estate professional? My first rental property was in 2014. I would say the first time I, actually this past year was the first time, well, 2020 was actually the very first year that I qualified or I felt like I qualified and in, 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 uh, for real estate professional status. So I had enough under my belt that I felt comfortable. Plus the part that was actually holding me back a little bit was that I was still working full-time in medicine. So up to a while. So that's what was kind of the hold and looking at different articles, even stuff like you ride and other people have written, like it's just not possible. And my wife was also working as well. 
And I know that people have said in the past, oh, you can just make your wife, but you just do all the work. And I, I didn't want to deal with that. I personally didn't want to have that issue come up. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it as legit as possible. I want to be the real estate professional. I also have a real estate broker's license. I do that kind of stuff too, as well. I also wanted to be more involved in my properties. And so it was a thing where gradually I, I slowly decreased the amount of clinical time you know, at my work to make it like a legit, believable, but actually legit, you know, become a legit uh, real estate professional. So if you didn't have your full-time job, or maybe you're working part-time and you had, if you think back to, was it 2015 that you picked up your first rental? Uh, 2014, I think it was. 14. All right. So, so 2014, let's say you pick up two rentals. You know, it sounds like you've scaled your portfolio out a lot and you kind of mentioned that oh, I didn't really feel comfortable with it. Would you have felt comfortable with two rentals assuming that the job wasn't an issue. Comfortable calling myself a real estate professional, you mean? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is I didn't even know about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I only found, it's, I mean, it's something that I only heard of a couple years ago. I mean, a year or two ago, really. It's, it's funny, I, I never heard about it. You know, I think it's also why it's really important to, to work with certain CPAs. I will tell you that I remember getting some sort of, I had a friend of a friend that I sat down with tell me something about you know, real estate, I guess real estate, he didn't call it real estate professional status, but he said it's a way that his real estate, the depreciation was able to offset his active income. And I remember going to my CPA, my CPA said, no, nah, that's impossible. <laughs> so I just remember saying, oh, okay. Like they must be doing something wrong or something different. I don't know what they're doing. So I just remember thinking, ah, so I didn't even pursue it. So then I really found out a couple of the doctors that were doing it. I think some people that have been on your podcast, Kenji and Leiti, and of semi-retired MD, they were doing it. And I was like, I heard about that, but people told me it was impossible. Like, so it was just funny because I just had shut it down because of what my previous previous CPA had said. And so I remember finally looking to it. I'm like, oh, I can qualify for this. And so it kind of changed the way I, you know, changed my schedule to make sure, you know, it fit, started figuring out how much, how active I needed to be and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that. So, so something that we try to tell folks is if you if you hear multiple things from multiple sources, ask for a citation, because the party that has it right is typically going to gladly provide you with the citation. The party that has it wrong is going to say, let me take two weeks to research it or no, I'm not going to give you a citation. Why would you ever ask? But it's important to do that because Section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code, which is pretty much everything that we're talking about right here, that's in Section 469. And it's incredibly complex and confusing. And you really have to spend a lot of time. You have to have a lot of repetitions. You have to have a lot of clients that require you to spend time reading that code and doing all the tax court cases, doing the audits to really understand it inside and out. And until you kind of get to that point, it's really tough to just pull an answer out. You know, if you come to me and uh, can I offset my, my income, my, my, my income's all passive. Can it offset each other? It's, it's tough for me not to say no, because if I say maybe, then I have to go research it. <laughs> So you got to get the experience. But the, the reason I asked about the two rentals specifically was I think that I think a lot of people jump into real estate with the expectation that they will be able to claim real estate professional status. And they think that they can do that with one, two or three rental properties. But it was just it was interesting to hear you. And I know that you didn't necessarily know what it was back back when you started. But it was interesting to hear some of the words that you used in terms of, you know, like, I didn't feel like I could, or I didn't feel like it was legit necessarily. And that's why section 469 exists. It actually exists to block high income earners 
and physicians from investing in rental real estate to offset their non-rental income. That's why these passive activity rules exist. That's why you have to qualify as a real estate professional. And, and I think it's really important to reiterate over and over that you can certainly do it with one or two rental properties. People have done it. People have won tax court cases where they only have one or two rental properties, but you have to be self-managing it. You've got to be visiting it daily. You've got to be doing all the repairs. And if you build out a portfolio like Peter has, at some point, your portfolio will scale to the point where even if you have property managers, you're spending a significant amount of time managing the properties, managing the entire portfolio as a whole. You are materially participating and you can qualify as a real estate professional, but it's just important to, I think at least it's important to kind of try to reset expectations in terms of, you know, can I qualify with one or two rental properties? So it was, it was, it was cool to hear your take on it. And it sounds like a, let's not like take incredible risk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Part of it was like, it, you had to, I mean, the thing I've learned with it is it, it does take a fair amount of strategy. I think it does. And it helps to have a CPA to work with, to say like, this is my goal. So how do I get there? Instead of just one day deciding you read it and like, okay, today I'm going to call it. It's, there is a progression and especially like I was working full time or pretty close to it. And so I baked that into my strategy over the next, you know, X amount of time, I'm going to reduce my hours and I'm going to, you know, buy this property and do this and this kind of thing. And it was just part of the whole strategy. And so it was not something that I knew about, heard about, but once I did hear about it, I was like, okay, this is an amazing opportunity. So I did, I ran some numbers and I was like, wait a minute, like I can work less in medicine, but net kind of like come out <laughs> still similar or better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's just smart planning. And then the, the funny thing is I've always shied away from tax type stuff. Like I, CPAs, like oh, no offense. I just didn't like talking to CPAs. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's, it's intimidating because especially as like, you know, just like anything else, like I didn't understand a lot of the jargon. It was very, I had this like block in my mind that I, I'm just never going to be good at understanding taxes or numbers or not numbers, like in that way. I was like, it's just too confusing. I don't want to deal with it and, and that sort of thing. And so I did shy away for so long. Like there are certain books on it people recommend that I read and things like that. I was like, I don't want to spend my time with that, you know? But the funny thing is like, you know, once I started kind of reading a little bit about it and then I started talking to my CPA about how to implement some of these strategies. It was, it was kind of fun. Actually, you're like, Hey, this is like powerful. And like, I mean, this is just as important, if not, you know, as just finding the right property. I mean, like this is a huge part of your strategy and it should be. And so it's really changed my mindset when it comes to taxes and real estate and that sort of yeah. thing. So that's how I ended up on sites like yours. How I ended up on sites <laughs> like this, like reading stuff about like, you know, tax-free wealth and things like, things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's crazy to think, I would have never thought I was here, you know, be here like two, three years ago. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, Peter, everything that you just described makes you what I would imagine is a great client. Great clients are engaged in tax law. You don't have to be able to cite the tax law, but just the fact that you, you're recognizing there's an opportunity here. Can I ask questions? What additional resources can I learn from? It's critical. And, and it makes it more fun for the tax advisors to have those conversations with people versus a, well, I bought two rental properties. I'm definitely a real estate professional. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, now I've got to be the bad guy and try to explain that. No, you're probably not. And then it's, oh, well, you told me that I'm not. <laughs> I'm just trying to protect you from an audit, <laughs> yeah. from losing in an audit. And, and in, I think it's important. I think it's really important to do what you're doing and take some time to understand real estate professional status because it's such a highly litigated piece of the code. It's incredibly litigated. Because it's so litigated, we have hundreds of tax court cases, more than most tax code sessions out there. And that makes it less 
gray. It's relatively black and white. And that's what I try to explain to folks that, hey, you know, when when we say that education research hours don't count, we've got five citations that are tax court cases that we can specifically point to. So, you know, let's make sure that we reference those whenever we're having these conversations. But also, if you can't qualify as a real estate professional, it's not the end of the world. You know, like I, that's the next question I get, especially with high income earners, such as tech folks and physicians, they get really deflated and they go, oh man, well, if I can't qualify as a real estate professional, I don't know if I should invest in real estate. But there's always two outs. One, you can invest in short-term rentals. You don't have to qualify as a real estate professional in order mm-hmm. to deduct your short-term rental losses. You just have to materially participate. But the other one is, it's actually funny. I was reviewing this tax court case today. It's Hardy versus Commissioner TC Memo 2017-16. Hardy was a physician. Uh, he invested in the surgical center and the surgical center was passive. He'd made zero management decisions. He did not participate in the surgical center. He just invested so that he had a place to go. Um, I believe that he was a like a plastic surgeon or something, something like that. But he had to go somewhere to do surgeries. So he invested in the surgical center to give him that additional opportunity. And he had other rental activities that were producing losses. Well, he claimed the surgical center as a passive income activity or a passive activity. So it generated passive income and he was able to offset all the rental losses. Tax court or the IRS challenged him, took him to court. Tax court sided with Hardy at the end of the day. So you can still be a physician and still invest in rentals and see significant benefits. If I'm invested in surgical centers and those things are passive, I can still go buy rentals. I can still do the cost seg studies. I can still claim these huge losses and offset my surgical center income. So it just becomes a game of, can I use my passive losses to offset my passive income from passive activities? And it's definitely more strategic, like you were, like you were saying there. But yeah, not the end I mean, of the world. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, we, when you're investing in these syndications, for example, at some point there's an exit, and at some point there's going to be gains, and so having those losses kind of stored up, you're going to be able to unlock a lot of those losses anyways down the line, and that will toss you into the next one or whatever it is. And I know that there are people that are strategically investing at times of exits to offset. Right. I mean, some of these gains yeah. and taking advantage of this opportunity. So it's not like it's it's all without benefits. I mean, it's like, of course, the biggest benefit. Right. I mean, is if I can be a real estate professional, but just by itself, I mean, it, there are ways to take advantage of it otherwise. And so 100 oh, um, percent. Yeah. Syndication is a lot about timing, right? Investing in syndications, it's a lot about timing. First, I can invest in one and then five years later when it liquidates, I can invest in the next one. They're going to run mm-hmm. a cost like study and pass the passive losses back to me. Um, so a lot of it's just on that that timing and the layering. But like you said, if you go, if you invest in five today and they all run cost segregation studies, then you're going to have passive losses that will be suspended, assuming that you can't qualify as a real estate professional, but you don't lose them. They carry forward. And so whenever those syndication investments liquidate at some later point, then there you go. Or maybe you have your own rental property and we're three years down the line, you've got this big gain and you're going, I'm going to go do a 1031 exchange. But you forget you're carrying forward 200K of suspended passive losses. So you don't have to do a 1031 exchange. So you definitely get some flexibility with those suspended losses. For sure. And I can tell you from experience, I, I wish I had some of those passive losses sitting on my tax return right now. So if anybody knows any syndicates right now, I might be looking to invest. But um, speaking of passive, uh, you know, we spoke a little bit before about not only are you a real estate investor, not only are you uh, in the medical space, but you also teach other MDs how to produce passive income through your blog. So would you be able to take us just like a kind of a, a brief journey about your blog and how it came to be? <laughs> sure. Well, when I started investing myself, I started getting really excited. I told you about that first check that I got. And I just started telling all of my friends, my colleagues, my former co-residents, Whoever it was, I think I'm that type of person where you find a 
some cool opportunity or you find a nice restaurant and you just like to tell people about it. That's always been me. Like I just like to tell people cool stuff that I found or try to save them trouble, right? Or save them from mistakes. And so I just started telling people about it. I started telling my colleagues about it who seemed to be in a very similar situation as me. You know, they were like, oh man, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, uh, break free from medicine? And I was like, oh, you know, you could try investing in real estate and this is what I'm doing. And I started just telling as many people as I could because I got super excited by it. You know, there's no financial gain to me. I was just trying to tell them what I'm learning. And eventually one or two people were like, hey, you should write a blog about this. I don't think there are any blogs out there about physicians and real estate. There were some physician financial ones, but nothing on physicians and real estate. And it's funny because I never, I never thought of myself as a writer. In fact, I didn't really enjoy writing. <laughs> I hadn't ever, you know, I hadn't done that for so long, but, and then, you know, and I never had a blog before. So I was like, you know what, let me try. And I sat on it for a year. Like I just said, I'm going to try. And I didn't do anything for a year. I bought the domain name and the domain name was easy for me to come up with. Cause I was like, it's all going to be about passive income. So passive income MD. I don't know. I just came up with that, but I sat on that domain for a whole year. And then finally I decided, okay, I've got to do something with this, either kind of do, do it or, or, or just kind of give up the domain. So I sat down and I wrote 10 blog posts. Like I tried my best. I wrote 10 blog posts and I was like, these are horrible. I remember I ran it by one of my friends and he's like, I don't know if I'd read this, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, that's what I thought. I'm not a good writer, you know? But then he helped me kind of shape that first one. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I just put it out and I didn't really expect anybody to read it. It was totally anonymous because I didn't really want to tell people my name. I didn't want to talk about it. And then one of the first four, three or four articles, I forgot which one, got picked up by some nationally... I don't know, some nationally syndicated medical journal, like online thing. I don't know what it was. And all of a sudden, like my site crashed. I started getting emails. I didn't know how to, like, I had calling GoDaddy because it was GoDaddy. Like I was like, how do I get this back online? And it was crazy. They're like, oh, you're getting too many hits. And I was like, this is amazing. So I got on there and it just kind of started. And funny thing was like sponsors like started reaching out to me immediately. Like, how can I advertise on your site? And I was like, I never expected this to be money, this financial. And I was like, I can find a place for you, you know? <laughs> and so it just started this business, which I didn't expect. And obviously the demand was there. And so I started talking more about passive income. Real estate. It just started growing. I just started putting out maybe a blog post every week or every other week and somehow continue to start to grow. And whatever people needed, it seemed like I was like, okay, I'll try to do that. Because someone was like, hey, can you create a Facebook group for people on this? I was like, sure, let's do it. And we call it Passive Income Docs. And I was like, sure, let's create that. And then somebody was like, oh, I want to know how to um, invest in syndications better. Like, do you guys have a course on it? I was like, no, but we can create one because I'd been investing in you know, you know, a good number of these for over years and I learned about it. So we created a course called Passive Real Estate Academy. So we just did it and created that. And then somebody was like, um, oh, you know, yeah, I've go to a lot of real estate conferences, but there's none that are really focused on physicians. So I was like, I can create that. So we created a, a real estate conference for physicians. It's just been kind of going where the demand is. Whatever people have said that they needed, we I built out a team now and we just try to give people the resources they need to really help them along their journey. And it's been really cool because we've been able, uh, we also do a podcast now and that sort of thing, but it's been really cool to be able to serve so many physicians in this space and to introduce this idea to so many physicians and just to see that, you know, a lot of them have not left medicine. I mean, the whole goal for me has never been fire. Like 
financial independence, retire early. It's funny, I don't really identify with that too much. And you'll never hear me call myself a FIRE blog. I think it's a great thing. I have a, a great colleague and a partner. His name is, uh, well, his blog name is Physician on Fire. And it's a great blog for anybody interested in that whole concept. But for me, it was never about retiring early. It was really about finding the life of medicine that you want. I, in fact, I don't want people to retire early. Like that's not my goal. And people have accused me of that. You're like trying to get people to leave medicine. And I was like, no, we need great doctors there. We need great doctors that are healthy, passionate about medicine, that want to be there. And so I find that the way to allow that to happen is give physicians that choice and that freedom and that option to be there and to do it because they love it. And I believe that physicians went into this because they want to serve and they want to help and they want to heal. And But financially, it's a realistic thing, right? You got to take care of your family and then it becomes a burden. So if you can release them of that some way and create some freedom for them, they get to really practice on their own terms because they love it. And so that's been the whole goal of the blog and the brand is to give people a little bit of that hope, a little bit of you know that journey, allow them to help, you know, help them figure out the journey to get where they want to be. And so I talk more about gradual retirement, where you start to decrease your clinical time as your passive income increases, right? So it starts to take up your passive income increases and you can start to drop your clinical time until you find that sweet spot for you. And for me, like, it was like, I don't want to work nights or I don't want to work weekends for some people, but they're happy to work during the week or whatever it is. They want to work a couple months out of the year. They want to take off a couple of months. Maybe that's for somebody, but it's really about finding that sweet spot for you. And um, I think that comes when you're able to create all these other streams of income. Uh, that's great. I love that story. And, and you guys just recently, Passive Income MD just recently ran an online summit. Was that right? Yeah, we ran our second conference. It's called Financial Freedom to Real Estate. And it was a virtual conference this year, of course, with everything going on. Last year, it was an in-person conference. We Got did it. a one-day conference last year, had a couple hundred physicians fly in from Alaska. I mean, I'm in LA. So Alaska, from the <laughs> East Coast, people fly for one day. They just wanted to be there. And it was so awesome. And we wanted to do that this year as well. But unfortunately, with everything going on, we had to go right. virtual. But the cool thing is we had over 8,000 physicians participate in this. Holy smokes. Uh, yeah, 8,000 physicians to learn about real estate. Wow. And so many people walked away with some really cool resources and got the, at least their wheel spinning. And that was the goal. That's great. That's great. I was about to ask, how did it go? But it sounds like you knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was my team. It's just amazing. And the, all the speakers were just like just such high quality speakers. And it, it was just it was just fun to, to have everybody together in one space. Awesome. Well, with all that being said, if our listeners wanted to you know, learn more about what you have going on, about these events, about these courses and everything, all the resources that you and your team have put together, what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, sure. They can, they can check out my website, PassiveIncomeMD.com. We're in the middle of a, uh, hopefully a remodel very soon. <laughs> that should make it a little bit easier for people to navigate. But that's kind of where it all starts. And if they end up on our mailing list, uh, then we announce everything that we do. We also have our Facebook groups, Passive Income Docs and Passive Income Professionals. We do have a podcast, the Passive Income MD Podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not super creative with the names there. But it's, uh, yeah, and that's how people can get in touch with us and, and obviously get all the resources they need to help them along this journey. Awesome, Walt. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've had a very awesome conversation here today and looking forward to putting it out there. And want to thank you again for coming on the show. Well, cool. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing here. And now that I'm kind of into this whole tax thing, I'm, I started at the beginning for you guys. I'm starting from like episode one. I'm working my way through it. Uh, I've heard you guys probably have like a course that's going to come up and, you know, I'll probably be <laughs> there to sign up for that as well too, but super excited what you guys are doing. And thank you for, uh, you know, be a resource for people as well. Anytime. 
Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.